Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Welcome to Faith This Morning. So good to see each and every one of you. We're wrapping up our series today on revival. And I hope your spirits have been revived. Mine has as I waited on the Lord in prayer as we fasted together. We're looking at the Old Testament prophets and growing together and learning about how God wants to revive and do something in each and every single one of our lives. And so I'm excited about 2016, what God is going to do and where we're headed and what is going on right here at Faith This And we've looked at the Old Testament prophets we first look at Habakkuk, who said, Revive thy work in the midst of years, in thy years. And they were facing uh, captivity, they were facing destruction, and yet he prophesied right in the middle of the, what is about to happen to the nation of Judah in the south. He said, God is able to revive thy work in the midst of all the adversity, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of what's going on. And so, incredible thing as we looked at revival. Then we looked at Hosea, and Hosea was break up the fallow ground, that, that ground that's grown very hard. He's writing to Israel, and and he's talking to Israel about how they had hardened their hearts against the Lord. But he says it's time to break up the fallow ground. We talked about repentance. And if we're going to have true revival, it's going to be begin my repenting, searching deep within, seeing what God wants to do in each and every single one of us. And then we looked at Elijah, a man just like us, and yet he prayed. And when he prayed, he shut down the heavens, and then the Bible says, and he prayed again three and a half year, years later, and the heavens opened up. And so we talked about how to have that open heaven where God's blessing can be poured out. It's only going to come as we pray. And we seek the Lord, and we had a wonderful prayer time that Sunday morning. Last week, we talked, went to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel has a vision, Ezekiel 37, of dry bones. And we looked at that valley of dry bones, and behold, they were very dry. But, but, but he began to prophesy and declare the word of God to those dry bones, and they began to come together, and the flesh came on those bones. And then he prophesied again, and it wasn't until the wind came that those dry bones rose up as a living, mighty, breathing army of God. And we talked about the importance of, of, of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and that power to be his army and his witnesses that God has called us to be. Now I want you to turn to Ezekiel 47. We're going to stay in the Ezekiel again today. And uh, Ezekiel is a, a person who had a lot of dreams, a lot of visions, and he records them. I think there are seven different visions he has. They're recorded in the book of Ezekiel. And, and this one's about not wind, but about a river. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, throughout the Word of God, there are several symbols that are used to symbolize the Holy Spirit. One is water or river, and another is wind. And we talked about the wind of God or the breath of God. Uh, fire can be an image of the Holy Spirit of God or symbolic. Oil, often you'll see oil. Oil can be very symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So these are all symbols of the Holy Spirit of God. So we're going to look at this river and his vision that he saw together. Now, how, has anybody ever been whitewater rafting in here? Let me see your hand. Man, I loved I loved to go whitewater rafting. I had to, I had the privilege to go on many different occasions. Uh, on one occasion, I went with about five other guys, and we went to West Virginia. It was the Upper Gauley River. Now, this is probably one of the most intense rivers on the East Coast. It is it is really, and they, they a couple times a year they let the water out. Uh, Aaron's from West Virginia, or he knows about that river up there. But they let the water out. It just comes rushing out, and there's about. Uh, about four or five class five rapids within this stretch of river, and there's one class six rapid. And this is the one you got to sign the waiver for. And uh, you can go around it, or you can go over it. And it's about a 12 to 15 foot drop, depending on how high the water is. And you just simply, and, and when, you know, when, you're, when you're rafting, you have a guide in the back, <clears throat> and they're saying right, right, left, left, right three, left two, whatever. And those people, you got to turn and maneuver that thing just right so you don't hit the rocks, don't break apart, don't fall off. Well, when we came to this rapid, she just simply said, don't do anything, just, just get down inside the raft and hang on. Because you literally go over the top and you go down face first, uh, nose first, over the top of the rap, waterfall at this point, and you hit the bottom and then you come shooting back up and she just hang on. 
But they always give you these instructions. Of course, you start out with a helmet. You have your life vest on, your life jacket on. And uh, they give you these instructions. If you fall out of the raft, they always say, don't swim. Don't fight it. Don't do anything. What do you do? Simply lean back and point your feet first. If your legs are down in the water, they'll catch a root, they'll catch a rock, you'll break your leg, you get caught, uh, uh, and people have drowned in water before, they, you get caught under a, a branch or a tree or something, and you can get wedged there by the current and not get out and drown. So they simply say, just lay back and let the river take you. Let the river take you. Eventually, you will come to calmer water, and we will bail you out. And you can then make your way to the shore or do whatever when you hit the calmer water, but simply lay back, head back got your helmet on, feet up, and you just let the water take you. Now, Ezekiel has a vision about a river. What I want to talk about today is letting the water take you, going deep enough in the Lord, going deep enough in the Holy Spirit of God where he is taking you, he is leading you, he is guiding you, and this is exactly what Ezekiel is talking about right here. If last week we talked about needing that power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe there's a place in the Spirit-filled life that is called walking in the Spirit, where we are no longer calling the shots, we're no longer directing, we're no longer making our own choices, we are being led and directed by the Holy Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit. So let's stand together and take a look at this vision. We'll begin by reading the first seven verses, and then we'll read the rest later in the message today. Walking in the Spirit, what does this mean? What is the the Spirit-filled life all about? The man brought me back from the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. You are such an incredible, awesome God. And I pray, Lord, that in every one of our spiritual journeys today, you would take us deeper, deeper in the spirit of God, deeper in you, deeper in your word, deeper in prayer, deeper in spiritual growth. God, help us, I pray, to get to that place where we are no longer in control but you are leading and guiding and directing, and we simply go with the flow of your precious Holy Spirit. Minister your word today, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone and say, go deeper, and then you may be seated. The prophet Ezekiel has a vision of a water that gets broader and broader and deeper and deeper as he goes further and further out into those waters. I want to ask you a question. Are you afraid of going deep today? Some of you guys might be afraid of the deep water because you think if I do, if I commit to go deep with God, God will require more than I am able to give. Maybe I can't handle it. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I can't walk this walk and God's going to ask more of me than I am able to give. Maybe you don't commit fully to the work of God because you're afraid of failing. (coughs) Excuse me. I might fail, I might blow it, I might mess up, I might not do what God's asked me to do, and I, I might be, if, you know, I know they want me to be involved in this ministry, and I feel kind of led and drawn that way, but what if I get out there, and what if I blow it, and what if I fail, and what if I can't do it? And there are these things that keep us from going deeper into the water and going as deep as the Lord wants to take us. Ezekiel starts out, he's standing on the bank of the river. And, and the bank of the river, I think, represents for many of us our comfort zone, where we're safe. We're on solid ground. Some of you in here can't swim. 
And you don't want to get out of the water. You don't want to get near the water. You don't know when it drops off and when, it, when, when, the, when the low times come or the high places come. And so you simply just stay on the bank and watch everybody else swimming out in that cool, refreshing river. Because you're afraid. It's your comfort zone. You feel safe on solid ground. And every once in a while, there may be uh, somebody coming by and they splash you a little bit, or the river kicks up and splashes you to some degree, and you feel a little bit of the mist over top of you. Uh, and that's really all the refreshing you ever get. But you know, never totally experience the awesomeness of a move of God, of the power of God, of the presence of God, and you miss out on a multitude of blessings. I want to challenge you today, it's time to go deeper, to go deeper. Um, Let's, first of all, let's take a look at this river. Let's study the river together. And if you look at some interesting things in verse 1, you see this picture of the water coming out from the temple area. Now, it represents really the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam was a pool that was located in that temple proper area, and it would flow out of the temple. It would thread its way all the way down through the Kidron Valley and eventually would make its way down to the Dead Sea. And so this is kind of the image that he's portraying right here. And what happens is, as you look at the vision, the water widens and deepens as it flows. Okay? And so it becomes a source of vast blessings to all that the river touches. And as we move on through the end of the chapter, you'll see it brings life and it brings health and it brings healing. And I believe what Ezekiel is picturing here is the redeeming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a river, and we'll talk about why I think this is the case of the definition here. There is a power that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, his redeeming grace. His grace that gets broader and deeper and wider as it goes. It is a picture of the grace of Almighty God. Now, first of all, notice the source of the river. The source. The Bible says it flows from under the threshold of the temple, from under the door of the temple. In John 10 and verse 9, It says, I am the door, by me if any man enters in, he shall be saved, he shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus Christ himself in John identifies himself as the door. I am the door. There is no other way to find the grace of God but through the Lord Jesus Christ. The river flows out from underneath the threshold of the door. That's where the blessing comes from. That's where the grace comes from. Uh, It flows out from under the threshold of the door. Now what happens if it's flowing out from under the threshold of the door, you can't see on the other side of the door? The Bible says, for we, it is by grace, by faith we are saved, through faith. And so you can't always see it, but by faith I believe it. And I receive it, and I am saved, and I give my heart and I surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Christian life always begins at the door who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Flowing out from under the threshold. You can't see beyond that. Therefore, it must be received by faith. Notice also the course of the river. It says in the verse 1 again, it flows by the south of the altar. South of the altar. So you have it coming out from under the door, goes right by the altar in the holy place where all the sacrifices are offered up, where the sacrifices were made. The altar speaks of a blood sacrifice. God's grace always comes through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the cross that saves us. It's the blood that flows us. It's where the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ flowed down uh, and that infinite love of God is still flowing today. The blood is still powerful today. Uh, It flows out from the door, out of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it always goes by way of the altar. There has got to be a sacrifice and Jesus Christ himself offered himself up as our sacrifice that we might be saved. The blood of Jesus Christ is still flowing today. Listen to Psalm 22 and verse 14. It's a messianic psalm picturing the death of Jesus Christ. It says, I am being poured out like water. He's describing his death. It's the agony of the death of Jesus Christ. He says, I am being poured out like water. And so you have this imagery of the water. And what happened when they took the spear and they thrust it up into, uh, between his rib cage, up into his heart. It says, out of his side flowed what? Blood and water. And so you see this picture of the river in Ezekiel's vision. It's got to go by the altar. 
It's the sacrifice of Jesus that brings our salvation. In John 7, 37, Jesus stands up. It's the Feast of the Tabernacles. And by the way, in Ezekiel's vision, he sees a rest, uh, the tabernacle restored, the temple restored. He sees the temple being restored in the, in the last days, and he sees that in his vision. And so these, these images is of the uh, tabernacle and the altar and all that is in his vision. It had been destroyed at that point. And so you see in John 7 and 37, Jesus Christ stands up. It's the Feast of Tabernacles, and he says, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. In other words, he's saying, I am that living water. I am the renewal of the tabernacles. I am the fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision. Uh, I am the water that's flowing out from under the threshold uh, of the tabernacle and going by the altar. If you thirst, come and drink from me. And He goes on and says in the next verse, he says, he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, which was to come. Ezekiel's dream and vision. Notice also the force of the river. The Bible says it grew larger and wider and deeper. Grew large enough to swim in. Now notice something here. There's no other tributaries adding to the river. Has one source, the temple of God. Goes by the altar. There's no image in his vision of other rivers merging together to make it deeper and broader and wider has one source, and yet supernaturally it begins to widen and expand and get deeper and deeper. In other words, the grace of God is its own supply. We need to add nothing to the grace of God. Everything we need is found in his grace. He is our all-sufficient source. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. It is simply Jesus Christ and his grace. And once you tap into this river, you will enjoy his sufficiency. There is no limit to the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it keeps flowing strong and mighty and gets broader and wider as it goes. Now there's a lot of imagery attached to this vision. And I think some of the real simple ones are like this. And I want to kind of share them with you today just to give you an idea a little bit what Ezekiel is seeing right here in the natural. First of all, I believe it's an impressive picture of God's plan of redemption. Remember, it, it starts with an obscure promise in the book of Genesis when the, when, the, when the Lord said, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And so right out of the very gate, you see a picture of this victorious Jesus Christ who will crush the head of the serpent. And then it goes to a man by the name of Abraham. And God gives Abraham a covenant. And what does he tell Abraham? I want you to look at the stars of the sky. I want you to look at the sand on the beaches. I will make my people as multi, just, they will multiply you and make you a great and powerful nation. You will bless all the nations of the earth and you'll be like the stars of the sky. What is happening? The river is getting broader and broader and deeper and deeper. And Abraham has this uh, Great vision that God gives him. The river reaches full flood stage in Galatians uh, when it says in Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So the river's been winding throughout history. God's grace has been ever moving throughout history, but all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes. It goes by the altar. He gives himself for us, uh, and now it widens. And then he says in the word of God, he says, if I would take this one seed talking about Jesus Christ. If this seed be planted into the ground, what happens? It dies, uh, but it will raise again and bring forth much fruit. So you see the widening of God's plan of redemption. And so Jesus Christ, you start with one seed. Uh, he pours himself into 12 disciples. Uh, by the time you get to the upper room, there are 120 who are waiting in the upper room. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, Peter preaches the word of God and 3,000 people are saved and converted uh, on that one day. Uh, he preaches a few days later and 5,000 men, the Bible says, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so already what is happening, that river is getting wider and wider and wider as the grace of God is beginning to touch all the nations around 
around him. And then he talks about the river in Acts chapter 1. And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witness where? In Jerusalem. And then it will flow out to Judea. And then it will flow to Samaria. And finally that river will get so wide and so deep, it will literally touch the uttermost parts of the earth. God's plan of redemption never intended to remain a little bitty stream throughout history. It gets deeper and deeper and wider and wider as it flows because God's grace is going to touch all the world. And this prophetic vision that Ezekiel has, it will bring healing to the nations and life to the nations. And everywhere the river goes, it will bring life. What a picture of God's incredible grace. The river still flowing. Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. But it's not enough just to read about the river. And it's not enough just to stand on the banks and watch the river flow by. The river's got to be tested by human experience. So you get down to verse number three. And the, and the dream The word comes to Ezekiel, come here, Ezekiel. I will lead you through the waters. And he begins to, in this vision, in this dream, lead Ezekiel through these waters of the river. It's got to be tested by every single person for themselves. It's a picture of the submission that we've got to have if we are going to follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I will lead you into the water. You can't do it your own way. You can't get in how you want to. It's God's way or no way. We must submit to the will of God and get off the bank, get down to the deep water. I want you to notice the journey that Ezekiel takes. First of all, the Bible says, first he took me out a thousand cubits and the water was ankle deep. Ankle deep, just about this high. That's it. That's all the deeper was. A thousand cubits was probably a third of a mile. So he goes out one third of the mile, which is a long, long, wide, a humongous river. And the first thousand cubits, he says, I was in ankle deep water. Now, when I think about ankle deep water, I, I think about these swimming pool complexes. And, and they always have a baby pool, Right? And the baby pool is for the little bitty kids who are really small and they are babies. And they got just a little bit of water in that baby pool so the babies won't drown. These are for people who are not yet ready to swim. These are those who would still lack spiritual understanding. Uh, The word of God describes us that when we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again. We are our our spiritual newborn babies in the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes in 1 Peter 2 and 2, he says, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And so he describes a brand new Christian who needs to drink the milk of the word of God. Now, to walk in ankle deep water requires very little effort, right? You're just walking around. There's very little resistance, very little effort. The force of the water against your steps is minimal minimal, and you can choose to get in or out. You're right there. You're walking in the water. You're still by the shore. You're still by the bank. Anytime you feel threatened, you just jump out right back on the shore again at your own will. You're moving. You still have to move. It's your legs. It's your mind. It's your will. You yourself are calling the shots. You yourself are moving throughout this river. You are ankle deep. In that ankle-deep water, you may get blown about and moved about by the wind. Listen to Ephesians 4. He says, said, don't be blown about by every wind of doctrine that comes along. You'll listen to any voice that makes you feel good to justify your shallow walk with God. You'll never experience the full joy and fulfillment and trust and love that God has for you because you are making a minimal commitment. I just want to get my feet wet. Just want to start out a little bit and get my feet wet. Because you just only go to ankle deep water, you still love the safety of the shore. If it doesn't work out, I can always jump back out. 
lack of total commitment. If you're in that baby pool and you're an adult, you might like to lay down in the water and feel that water over you, but what happens? All the babies start splashing you. And then the, the, the color of the water in that baby pool starts to change a little bit. What do you do? You jump out. You get out of there. You refuse to stretch. You refuse to grow beyond what you can see. See, if I'm in ankle deep water, the shore is very close by. It's very near. And I I simply, instead of walking by faith, I'm walking by what my eyes can see, what they can behold, what, what, what what is really close by. You're like Thomas who says, unless I see and touch for myself, I will not believe. Now, you may enjoy laying in the toddler pool, but you're going to look very silly. The ankle deep water is the place of selfish immaturity. Paul writes to Corinthians. They had a lot of divisions in the church. You set up 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and 3. It says you've got divisions. Some say I'm a Paul. Some say I'm Cephas. Uh, some say uh, I'm of Apollos, others say I'm just of Christ. I don't follow anybody. They were kind of rebellious. And so he says, you are selfish and mature. He says, I could not write unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. The word carnal means fleshly. I can't write to you as unto spiritual, but I write to you as unto fleshly because you are still babes in Christ Jesus. You've never moved on to maturity. You know, we've got every level of, 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 of spiritual growth representing this church today. We've got some brand new Christians and they're babies in Christ, and that's great as long as you don't stay there. There is always a call of God to go deeper in Him. And some of you have been saved a week or two or just three weeks and you're brand new in this and we're going to help you grow in Christ and, and you begin to feed on the sincere milk of the word and you get stronger and stronger. But if you've been saved 25 years and you're still in the baby pool and we've got to part the whiskers get, to get the bottle in your mouth, there's something wrong. The writer of Hebrews rebukes the believers because of their immaturity. He says, by now you ought to be teachers of the word. Instead, you're still babes in Christ. And so those are those people in that ankle-deep water. They're just starting out. And yes, to get to the deep side, you've got to go through the shallow side to get there. But don't stop there. Don't stop at that place of immaturity. Don't stop at that place where you're still in control, calling your own shots, doing your own thing. But go deeper. He led me into the waters. They were ankle deep. Then he says, he led me another thousand cubits in verse number four. And he says, I got up to my knees. Now, when you're at knee deep water, if you're in a river, sometimes things are hidden below the surface that you don't see. And you can slip and fall and stumble along the way. And you're trying to make your way through that rushing current going by. And you don't see the sharp rocks beneath your feet or those slippery rocks that are there. there. That knee deep requires more faith as you go deeper in Christ Jesus. So now you're no longer in ankle deep. You're no longer in control. Now you're exercising more faith. And you're moving out a little deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, uh, we uh, took my wife and, and her kids, we went up to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and uh, we were in Pigeon Forge, we went by the, uh, there's a big, there's a little river trail, runs along a river, and uh, we, one time we hiked up to the falls, but that's a lot of work, hiking up, and so we thought we'd take one where it was flat, and so we went on a real pretty nature trail, just flat, right along this river, ran along the little river right just outside of uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And so we're, we're walking along there, and, and the river is rolling. It's not real deep, it's the, and, and so, but we, it has rocks all inside of it and all over it. And so we go down, and I take all the kids down and say, let's jump from rock to rock, and let's move across this river. And I'm moving across the river, and, uh, and, and Jeannie's 
downstream a little bit with her, with her uh, daughter there, and, and the girls are kind of following along. And what happens is these rocks, because the water's running over them, and it only looks this deep, but you step on that rock, that moss begins to grow. Uh, that green stuff grows on those rocks, and I hit that rock, and my feet went up in the air. I went landed back on my keister, and the water's rushing over me. And, uh, and of course, my wife, she is worried that it maybe hit my head or hurt myself. You can't really, it's, the water's only, this, it's only knee deep. I didn't really hurt myself at all. I just, my ego was really, <laughs> really, really embarrassed. And the, the, the kids are laughing at me and making fun of me, and it was just... And, and, and then I do the whole rest of the hike wet. You know, you're wet all the walking bow-legged all the way down the rest of the trail for the other four miles or however long it is, and you feel like a real goofball. When, when, you're, in, when you're in knee-deep water, you can't always see where you're going. You're, you, you slip and you stumble and fall. I think sometimes for us, that knee-deep water might represent that place of compromise. We're growing in Christ. We're trying to exercise our faith, but we still get out there and we slip and we stumble and we fall and we blow it again and again and again because our commitment is not strong enough. It's easy to slip. It's easy to compromise. But I want to challenge you today. God is calling you to go deeper in him. And then verse 4, he goes on to say, he led me another thousand cubits. And uh, I was being led out there, and the water this time was, eight, was waist deep, waist deep. And, and it says in the King James Version, the water was up to my loins, the midsection, your waist. Now, the loins represent the place of strength, place of strength. When Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, remember, remember what happens? Jacob wrestles the angel of the Lord. He is relying in his own strength. In fact, throughout his entire spiritual journey, he has relied on his own strength. What does the angel of the Lord do? Touch the hollow of his thigh, right below the waist, right there. And, and from that point on, Jacob would always walk with a limp because of his dislocated hip and thigh and waist. A lesson that Jacob would no longer rely on his own strength But from now on, he would have to trust in the Lord's strength. And so for him to learn to trust on God's strength, God had to cripple him in the physical. It would always be a continual reminder as he walked, as he limped along the rest of his life, that he was not to trust in his own ingenuity to get by in life, his own trickery to get by on life. He would now have to trust on the strength of God Almighty. But something else happened. It was more about what God was doing on the inside. But he said, you will no longer be called Jacob or cheater or supplanter. From now on, you will be called Israel or one who has power with God. When you are waist deep, it talks about a place of strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you are now, you're, you're, you're walking along, you're moving slowly, you got your waders on, you're out there waist deep, and you're waiting on God, and you're praying, and you're talking to him, and you're trusting the Lord, and your understanding is growing, and your faith is growing. A waist deep place. You move slowly as you pray and wait on the Lord. In waist deep water, you can't jump very high. You can't move very fast. You can't frolic and play and splash like you might have could in that ankle deep water, even knee deep water, but you move more slowly. God says, wait on the Lord. Let me show you my ways. You begin growing stronger in your faith. The loins represent that place of strength. It also represents the reproductive area of the body. It represents increase. When you are waist deep in the water, it's at that point you are begin witnessing and you begin sharing your faith with others and you begin discipling other people all around you and your understanding is growing because you're going deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your understanding of the grace of God is growing. Your understanding of the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is growing. Your understanding what it means to be a faithful steward and a manager of all God's possessions that he has entrusted into your care. You become more understanding of all the blessings of God and you are growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, It's an exciting place to be. But there is a place that I believe is even deeper, and that is in verse number five. He says, he took me another thousand cubits. And there was water, water to swim in, water that was over my head. 
It was so deep I could not even touch bottom. Now listen to me. In this place, I want to, the believer is completely submerged, out of sight, self is buried beneath the water. This is a place of total surrender and submission to the will of God. The water is now supporting you. You've gone past your own ability, and now you are led and moved by the Holy Spirit of God. You have given up total and complete control. This is what God wants for every one of us. This is where God wants us to be. Led by his spirit, directed by his spirit. It's no longer I that live, but now Christ that liveth in me. It's total submission to his will and the flow of the Holy Spirit of God. Leaving your comfort zone and going deep in Christ Jesus, we depend totally and completely upon him. John the Baptist said, he must increase, the river must rise, I must decrease. I no longer want to be seen and known. Listen to me. Church, what's holding us back? What's holding you back? What's holding us back? Are we afraid of drowning? What if I get out there and drown? I want to tell you, God will not fail you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said in the Old Testament, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord, your provider. I will take care of you. I will provide you. I will be with you every step of the way in the journey. Trust me. Trust me. When you get in the deep end, things, marvelous things begin to happen in your life. It is a place of transformation. Let's pick the story up in verse number seven. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He's back to his vision again. He's describing the effects of that river. He said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, <coughs> excuse me, the waters there become fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from the Engedi to, the, to in, in Eglam. There will be places for spreading the nets. The fish will be of many kinds like fish of the great sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water will be from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for fruit for food and the leaves for the healing. Now, I want, look at this picture. Everything the water touches shall live. Wherever the river goes, it will bring life. He describes the barren land is healed by the impact of this river. Now what happens is when you are in the place where you are directed and led by the Spirit of God, when you are totally in the deep end of the river, you yourself will bear fruit in your life, you will live, and you will be healed. I have, I, the picture of the river is making it course down to the Dead Sea. Talks about a sea being filled with salt. It's referring to the Dead Sea. I, I've been to Israel a couple times, and, and both times we made a trip to the Dead Sea. When you arrive at the Dead Sea, it is, it is beautiful to look at. Beautiful, beautiful sea. It's surrounded by blue hills all the way around it, and, and it's steaming with tropical heat. It's just a beautiful sea to look at. But they are dull, heavy, mineral-filled waters full of salt, full of minerals, Deadly to all life. The noxious beauty of the Dead Sea is like the charm of a poisonous snake. It looks very beautiful, but the sea itself, by its very nature, is deadly. Now I want to tell you, the world, the Bible says, is pleasant to the eyes. Wonderful to look at. But the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life all that is in the world, the Bible says, our attention. 
But only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can bring life and healing to those dead waters. In John chapter 4, Jesus approaches a spiritually dead Samaritan woman. There is no life in her whatsoever, but he tells her, whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Look at this river. Look at the blessings. Verse 12. He says, there will be fruit-bearing trees of all kinds of trees. They will all bear fruit. Now, I want to tell you, that river is widening today, and God is moving by his Holy Spirit all around the world today. And he says, notice something. The trees never wither. They never die. Those trees are located by the water. And notice something else. He says, every month, the trees yield their harvest. Not just once a year. Most trees, they have their bearing season where they give fruit. About every year, every spring, summer, whenever the fruit comes. He says it doesn't stop there. Every single month, there's more life and more fruit on the tree. They don't wither because they're planted by the Lord and watered by his Holy Spirit. Verse 12, it says, these trees will be used to feed the masses and feed the people and will sustain all the nations. People all over the world are hungry for God. They're looking for someone to help them and bring healing, uh, and that is found in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 9, he said, there are swarms of living creatures. Swarms, it's more than you can count. People dead in trespasses and sin will live again. Look at verse number 12. He said, there will be fish of many kind as a result of this river. There will be Japanese fish, and there will be Korean fish, and there will be Indian fish, and there will be American fish, there will be African fish, there will be Arabian fish, there will be Portuguese fish, there will be fish of every kind that will be born because of this river. Is where the river of God's grace is flowing. All we got to do is throw in the nets and be ready to bring in the harvest. That's revival. That's what God's wanting to do in the last days. That's that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. That's the great harvest that God is wanting to gather in in these last days. That, my friends, is the result of genuine revival. If revival is about us coming here on Sunday morning and feeling good, we failed. If revival is about us leaving here and going out and winning our world for Jesus Christ, that's revival. Revival makes an impact. Revival changes things. But we can unless we're willing to navigate the river. You're standing on the bank and you won't get in. You'll never see the harvest. If you only go ankle deep, you'll only be concerned about splashing around and getting a little wet yourself. We've got to say, God, I'm with you. I'm going with you all the way. It's you and me, God. I'm jumping in all the way. I'm not holding back. I'm not stopping. You're more important to my job, my life, my family, anything else that I've got. God, it's all you. I want all you got for me. I want to get in deep. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I just want to get in the flow of your spirit and the flow of the current of Almighty God. I'm in your river. You don't get in the deep water. Your faith won't grow beyond what you can see. And what happens is, like so many, you'll stand on the bank and grumble about those playing in the water. There'll be a bunch in the river. They're having a great time in the Lord. You'll sit back and judge, fold your arms from the bank, from ankle-deep water. You might get out in ankle-deep water, look at them going in the deep water and say, those guys are just nutty. They're crazy for God. They're doing things in the spirit. Supernatural stuff's happening. It's, it's their nuts. I don't like the way they do this, the way they do that. We complain and we grumble about everybody else that God is touching and moving on and working their lives. You blame everyone else for your condition. Complain about almost everything. Stand on the bank and grumble, grumble, grumble. You never understand God's purposes. 
Why? Because you are doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. You never surrender to the will of God, so you never fully experience that joy unspeakable and peace that passes all understanding. Get all the way in. Go deep. Spiritual maturity. When I talk about spiritual maturity and going deeper with the Lord, it is literally all about coming to an end of yourself. It's you dying and Christ being seen in you, the hope of glory. It's going beyond yourself and plunging into the very depths of God's grace and committing yourself to the powerful, almighty hand of God. And He will lead you and he will guide you. And, and God would say, go deeper. Lose yourself in Christ Jesus. Get rid of your ankle-deep goals and dreams and dream beyond what you could have ever imagined. Go deep, my friends. Now my question for you today is this, and I must end here. Where are you at today? Where are you you at? Make it very, very personal. Where are you at? Some of you are still on the banks. You've been hanging around church a little bit. You've been coming by the river. Someone invited you. You're here, and you've been checking it all out. And that's, that's good. We want you to check it out. But I want to encourage you, listen, if you haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's time to jump in the water. Time to get wet and give your life to him and surrender to his grace and mercy and get on in the river. There's some here, you're ankle deep. Some of you because you're brand new believers and that's okay. I want to encourage you to just keep on moving, keep on walking, keep on trusting God and going deeper in your faith. And yet some of you have been saved for years and you're still in spiritual immaturity, backbiting, gossiping, hanging around the shore. Ankle deep. In control. Nothing will move you. You're calling the shots and you're moving how and when and why you want to. Some of you are getting up to your knees, a little dangerous out there, a little risky out there, but you want to go deeper with the Lord. You're, you're, you're starting to venture more in knowing about him and learning about him, growing in him, and you're, you're getting more committed, and you're, you're trusting your faith a little bit more, faith in God a little bit more. Others of you are out at the waist, man. You're praying every day. You're reading God's word. You're seeking his face. You're, 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 you're trusting in his strength. It's not your own strength. You're leading others to the Lord. You're talking about Jesus Christ. You're out there at work, and you're on the front lines. You're telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did in your life and how he changed you, and you, you got your story, and you got your testimony, and you, you're out there, and you're getting deeper, and it's a walk of faith, and you're praying and just saying, God, show me and lead me and guide me and direct me. And, and there's others, man, you're out in the deep end, and you're just having a ball, and you're just floating wherever that river's taking you, and you're on that whitewater trip, and it's meandering down, and you're going, and bobbing up and down, but it's okay because God's with you. He's got your life vest on you, and you're going to be fine. And it's a place of pure adrenaline rush. It's every day you get up and say, God, where's my divine encounter today? What, who are you going to lead me to today? Where do you want me to go today? God, you say, turn right, I'm turning right. Turn left, I go left. Whatever you want me to do, I'm here. I'm moving in you, flowing in you, operating on you. Trusted in your Holy Spirit, guidance moment by moment. You read the book of Acts and that, that river that flowed through the book of Acts. There were supernatural stuff happening. Paul's told to go to somebody's house on this street at this time of the day. This guy's told here. Peter's sitting up having visions on top of the rooftop. He's speaking to Cornelius. Go down and get Peter and find him somewhere. God's telling him ahead of time, you need to go to Cornelius' house. It's just being directed everywhere you go, led by the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not in control anymore. My feet are on the ground. I'm being led and flowed and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the place he wants for every one of his children to be in. Waters to swim in. Waters to swim in. That's where we need to go. We say, Pastor, it's scary out there. It's scary out there. I'll tell you, it is a little unnerving. It can be a little scary out there at times. I'm reminded of a story. Jesus Christ is going across the Sea of Galilee. His disciples went ahead by boat. He just thought he'd walk across the top of the water. Late in the night, disciples see what they think might be a ghost coming or some kind of aberration coming, and, and they're terrified. And then all of a sudden, he begins to speak, and they realize it's Jesus Christ. And Peter is in the boat. 
He says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And what's he do? He gets out and he begins to walk on the water. I want to tell you, he's walking in the deep water. He's walking on the water. And as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, he had nothing to fear. But when he looked at the waves and the wind, he began to sink. It's scary out there in the middle of the water. Sometimes we may feel like we're sinking and going under. I want to tell you, get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens is Jesus got Peter to the other side. So don't be afraid and don't worry. He'll get you safely to the other side. But he says, come on out of the deep. Come on. And he said, Jesus said, he, Peter said, if it's you, bid me to come. If it's you, bid me to come. And the Holy Spirit's bidding you to come today. He's saying, don't stop short. Don't shop strong. Go deeper. Go deeper in me. There's so much, so much more that I have for you. Listen, I, 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 I want 2016 to be a year of spiritual growth in every single one of our lives. As we grow spiritually, the, the church will begin to will grow. Other things will begin to happen. Supernatural things will happen, but, but we've got to be willing to get out into the water. If we're hanging on to the shore, we'll never get out there. Go deep. I want us to stand together. Everyone standing. I uh, I was thinking that I'm all way over. I said, "Well, how do I how do I clo- close this whole series on revival and talking about the river and where we're at today and where we need to go and where we need to get to?" And he dropped something in my heart, and I'm just going to do it. Uh, we've got aisles, we've got aisles, and they're running. All the way down here. I, I just want to, we're going to have a prayer together. But what I want us to do is, if you are just want to say with all your heart this morning, Pastor, I want to go deeper in the Lord. I want to get in the river till I'm submerged over my head, led and directed by him in every way, shape, or form. I want to ask you to move out into the aisles, symbolic of these rivers that are, there's no rivers, there's no water flowing there now. We've had rivers down in the front in the last uh, November. When it flooded and the water was all around the front. It's not there now, but, uh, but and don't worry, it was only ankle deep. But I, I, uh, I want us to move into the, these aisles. If you're just saying, God, take me deeper. God, take me deeper. I want all you got for me this year. We're just going to commit our hearts to the Lord and just say, God, grow me spiritually. Do your work in me. Uh, it's, the aisles will fill up fast and you can kind of begin to move up front, around the front. And, and let's just get in the river and let's begin to pray. Get in, the, get in the aisles, river, whatever you want to call it. And let's move out right now and just kind of move that way and say, God, I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And I want us to begin to pray right now. Begin to pray that God will help us and God will do amazing things this year. And God will take us deeper than we've ever been before. And we'll see that healing come and we'll see that life come and we'll see that spirit of God come. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.